Hello. Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast today. We pray that it will be a blessing to you and that it will help you with your daily walk with Christ. My name is Ben. And my name is Jack. We have been burdened to create this podcast for the purpose of addressing a problem in the local church, and more specifically, a problem in the life of the average Christian. The problem is the absence of revival. This podcast is for the purpose of discussing what true revival is, how revival can be attained, and how revival never has to end. The word revival has become a cliché, but our goal is to get back to the biblical definition of revival. Our goal is to be revived in the eyes of God. Alrighty, guys, thank you for joining us today. In the last episode, we talked about the prayer of worship, which was the third part to this series that we're doing, and this is the last one. We gave you an introduction to prayer. We talked to you about the prayer of repentance, and then in the last episode, we talked to you about the prayer of worship, and then in this episode, we're going to be talking about something that benefits you spiritually, whether you perceive it that way at first or not. We're going to be talking about asking God. We see this many times in Scripture. Men of God have to ask in order for things to happen. Yes, God could just do it, but does it really benefit the Christian when God just does everything without them asking? Of course not. So we see many times in Scripture men of God asking God for something, and then they see that fulfilled. And that's how God has set it up. He has put it in a way to where men have to be reliant upon him. To do the Christian life, to live it, you cannot do it by yourself. It's only by his power, and you need him. You need his presence. You need his power. You need his indwelling. And certain things are going to come across your path where you're going to need his help, a supernatural help. And you see this in every relationship. There's always reliance at some point in time in every relationship. Yeah. But the thing about God is everything is taken to the infinite scale. So our goal is infinite reliance. Can anyone really achieve that? Do I believe? No. But we should be trying to achieve it. We should be on the journey to achieving a perfect reliance on God. And asking is one of the ways that we journey that path. And notice that this is the final step in our talking of prayer, that repentance was the start of it and that worship was next. It's no coincidence that we did this because when we get to know God, truly we gain that true knowledge of him, that experience, and from that breeds the faith so I can ask in faith and have my prayers answered. Mm -hmm. But when we are repentant of our sins and we are in the realm of the prayer of worship, and we're focused upon him, the prayers that we pray are not going to be prayers of the flesh, but prayers of the Spirit. I want to direct your attentions to a passage in John, chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. The Bible says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. Now, that's awesome. That's an incredible promise, and we'd like to stop there and, it's simple, and just pray to God yeah. and be like, can I have a billion, gazillion dollars yeah. in a boat? And no. But the Bible continues. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Before I go any further, the purpose of prayer, the purpose of your existence, is to glorify God. That's why you're here. And of course, the way we do that is by loving God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. But when we pray, the goal is to glorify God in our needs, in our actions. That's what we are to do. Verse 14 says, If you shall ask anything in my name, 
I will do it. This is Jesus speaking here. So in verses 13 and 14 of John chapter 14, we see two things that are the prerequisites for the promise of him fulfilling any prayer that we ask. And that is that, that the Father will be glorified and that it must be in Jesus' name. Now, in Jesus' name is not referring to what we Baptists do and say, in Jesus' name, amen. It's not referring to the verbal usage, but by the authority of which you pray it, by the, the essence of it. Are you praying this in Jesus' name? Is what you're doing for his purpose? Put it this way, does Jesus want you to be praying this? If not, then quit praying that prayer. It's not going to be answered. You're wasting your time, and you're, you're in the wrong. The prayer that you pray, that you're asking your need, should be approved by the Son of God. So not only must it be in the name of Jesus, but it must also be for God's glory. Mm-hmm. Is what you're praying for your own purpose or for God's purpose? And though your perspective may be shrewd, well, the way we've laid this out is to give you a perspective. When you first get rid of sin in your life, and then you worship God, it builds a foundation of perspective, of the perspective that you should have. So you get to the point where you, you can look at something that you're asking for, and you can answer the question, does this glorify God or does this glorify me? Because when you have the wrong perspective and you're not in the right mindset, it's very easy to fake yourself out and be like, this... I need this because this glorifies God. But you, can, I need this vehicle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I need it. But truly, it doesn't. And what worship does is it develops that perspective. And a walk with God develops that perspective that you need to have in order to glorify God. And then you can truly answer the question, does this glorify God? Or am I doing this for myself? And when you're in that state of worship and you're seeing God for who he is and you're adoring him and you're praising him and you... Come to him with your petition, and you know for a fact that God wants this in your life, that it is approved by Jesus Christ. When it's in his name, you then have faith, Mm. knowing that God is, this is going to come to pass because God wants this to. It is for his glory. What you'll find is that when you start to truly know God and you start to worship God and you get rid of the sin in your own life, it eliminates your desire to ask for the things that God won't answer. Because the Bible very it clearly shows how God answers what you ask him. And what you what knowing God does is it eliminates that and eliminates the desire to ask the questions or to want the things that God doesn't want. Exactly. And another passage on prayer is 1 John in chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. And the Bible is full of passages on prayer, but I believe these passages really grab the entire realm of prayer in one in a couple of verses. The Bible says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments. Right there, that's obedience. A disobedient Christian is not going to have his prayers answered because that's sin. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Faith has everything to do with prayer. If there is no faith in your prayer, it will not be answered. Mm-hmm. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, it says, um, in referring to verse chapter 5, it says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, 
that giveth all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is uh, is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If your prayer of faith is wavering, if it's not that true faith, then it's not going to be answered. How do we get that true faith? Back to your relationship, back to your confession of sin and your worshiping of God. Mm-hmm. And you knowing that it's in his name and for his glory. And it says in that verse that you should ask in wisdom. What is the definition of wisdom? What differs it from knowledge? Knowledge... It's just knowing the facts. Wisdom is the discernment and applying those facts. Where do you get that wisdom? Where did Solomon get that wisdom? Where did Solomon get that discernment? What brought Solomon so close to Christ? Because he asked for it. Now, this was not a one-time thing, I don't believe. This is a cycle. This is a process. You ask for wisdom. You get it. Then you ask for more things while asking for wisdom, then you see those things answers, then your faith gets increased. Then you start praying with more faith in your prayer, with more wisdom, with more discernment with the things that are either glorify God or yourself. You can make, you can discern between that better. And then it gets fulfilled again. And then you see a growth happening. You see a cycle that produces a growth. Absolutely. And continuing the thought in First uh, John chapter 3, verse 23, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandments. Love one another. I believe that's referring to referring to our prayers being not only inward but outward. Are we praying just for ourselves, only for our benefit, but not, all, not also for the lost and for our Christian brethren? When I think of prayer, I think of really two aspects of it. We pray for what we want, and we pray for what we need. I believe that when we truly know God and we worship him, we'll find that what we want and what we need is him. Mm-hmm. And that'll be the source of our prayer. That'll be the base. And everything that comes upon that will just be what God wants us to have in our lives. I think of George Mueller, certainly a man of faith. The amount of money, I believe it was about 500,000 pounds. And I, I read a, a statistic by John R. Rice that uh, that converted into money in 1963 was worth like 60, around $63 million. I can't imagine what that's worth today. And I don't remember if that statistic is, is uh, accurate or not, but half a million pounds in the 19th century was worth was more money than me or Jack had ever possessed probably in our lifetimes. And all of that, he never asked a single soul. It all came through faith, faithful prayer in God. But George Mueller's focus was Christ. Everything else came after that, as is the cherry on top of the Sunday. When Christ is our focus, when he is the reason why we're praying, because that's who we desire, everything else will fall into place. We think of it wrong sometimes. Yeah. You shouldn't focus on what you're asking for, though that really does make sense. Or to put 100% of your focus in, say you have a loved one that is ill, 100% of your focus on God, please heal this, please, you know, and you're focusing so much on this. Listen, when your focus is on God and he's the center point, he's the cornerstone, then what you're asking for, you have the ability to ask for in faith and in discernment. Again, everything comes back to where your focus should be. Even when you're asking for something, your focus is on Christ and it eliminates your lust, your 
consumption mindset towards it. Because when it's in that case, God can't answer that prayer. I believe even if it's something that you should have, even if it's something that ultimately is in the will of God. Because we don't know 100% what we need now. We're not God. We don't know the future. We may be praying for something that is good, but out of ignorance. That's why we must be so close to God, to the Holy Spirit, that we pray when he lays upon our hearts what we should pray. And think about the things we're denied that we're supposed to have and that we could have. And we asked for the right things. They were what God wanted us to ask for. They were what he wanted to supply for us. But we asked for them the wrong way. We talked last episode about using your sanctified imagination from the position of God. Imagine being God, although you can't and is kind of sacrilegious to do so. Think about God's perspective. Think about this creation whom you love is asking for what you know you want to provide and for what you know he needs. He needs it really bad, but you can't because of the way he asked it. As a Christian, how you ask is just as important as what you ask for. Exactly. Even think of a, uh, of a father and his child. If a child is hungry and looks at their father and it screams and throws a fit and rolls around the floor and says, feed me now. Well, first the father is going to beat the child if he <laughs> he's going to discipline him and put him to a point of submission to a point where he reverences his father. And that's the same thing God's going to do. When you ask God from the wrong standpoint for the wrong m- mindset, he's not going to answer you because he's a good father. He's the, he's the best father, even if it's something you need. And really all of it comes down to, I believe, in the realm of the prayer not being answered in James chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, the Bible says, From whence come wars and fightings among you, come then at hence even of your lust that war in your members. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. If your prayer is not answered, there's a very large percentage, very large probability that your prayer is from lust, from that desire of that which is not right, even if you think it could be good. The prayer that is answered is prayed from the person whose flesh is dead, who has been crucified to the cross, and that has no power over him. A carnal Christian does not get his prayers answered. Only a spiritual one does. So the next time you pray, think about it. Why am I praying this? Me and Jack have a need that we're praying to God for, and we know he's going to supply it. We know that it is for his glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. We're not praying it from our lust. So in your prayer list, what you're praying for, why are you praying that prayer? What is your reason? What is your motive? Is it because of your lust, because you desire it? And be careful to so hastily answer that question. Mm. Maybe God needs to answer that question for you. True, because the heart of man is... How can you know your own heart? Maybe answering that question needs to come from a lot of God's word. Mm -hmm. Because maybe your reasoning doesn't satisfy that question. Or ask the Holy Spirit, because he knows your heart. You'll You'll be denied the things you don't need, and you'll be denied the things you do. It does not matter, because you ask wrong. That's not always the case. God will provide things. God goes out of his way to provide things for us because we're sheep and he's the shepherd. When we're the one out of the 99, God comes, he, he finds us. But listen, there will be cases 
where you need something as a Christian. And you won't have the ability to obtain it because he asked a miss that you consume it, could consume it upon your lusts. So what the Bible says, it's very clearly laid out. God loves you. He wants to be able to answer. But you have to look at it and say, is this for the glory of God or is this for my own glory? And that's and, a question that takes a lot of time to answer. And that's the determining point of your prayer if it will be answered or not, by the heart in which you pray it. So let's recap a little bit and boil it all down as I close here. Talk about what prayer is, that communication with God, that fellowship. We talked about it has to begin with repentance of the sin that is in your life. That has to be removed. So it can go no further than that. And once that is done, there must be worship. There must be the praise, the reverence, the prostrate adoring of God. And only once you're at that point can you pray to God in faith. You pray to him in Jesus' name. You pray to him with his glory in mind. And you don't pray because of your lust, because of what you desire. You pray because of what he desires. And when you truly desire him 100%, what you pray will not be for yourself but for others and for his glory. And if it is for yourself, it'll be in direct relation and be consumed with your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. It'll be completely for benefiting your own spiritual state. It'll have nothing to do with the flesh and nothing to do with physicality. Because praying for yourself is not wrong. Praying in your lust is wrong. So Christian, wherever you are, if you can, just stop. The next time when you're in prayer, just stop and think, why am I praying? What is my reason? God, is it for your glory? Is it for my own? Is it for this need that you must supply that I may praise you for it? Or is it because of my lust, because I want it? And pray in faith, nothing wavering. That is the basis for all prayer, is faith. Remember that all that, all of the, all of the power of prayer, the faith, the worship, the repentance, all comes from your relationship with God. And that's what breeds revival. We said in the first episode about prayer that every revival can be traced back to prayer. Christian, if you're not praying, you will not have revival. If you're praying wrong, you still won't have revival. So pray correctly. Pray biblically. Have repentance in your prayer. Have worship. And have faithful asking for his glory. And you'll find that revival is right around the corner.